Welcome to a new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. Get ready to get into a new trip. Like a rabbit? Get into the hole? Or like two crazy guys with a guest yeah. going down that rabbit hole. In front of me, Carl, how are you? I'm the other crazy guy. Good morning, Rafa. A beautiful morning. Yes, and today we have a very special guest because he's joining us from far away. Anna, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm very happy to be here in a less metallic version of the show. <laughs> yes, with a more, uh, how can we say, philosophical or... Uh, uh, I would just say crazy. Crazy. Chewing the fat, as we say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just um, thinking of... Thinking about... Things. About, yeah, yes. On this subject. And uh, Down the Rabbit Hole is a podcast where we talk about a topic and we call it uh, in a binary way because in the first episode we will talk about all the sci-fi, mysteries, fantasy related to that topic and in the second one, some of the science behind the topic. Yeah, so we try to cover both ends of the spectrum of thought uh, yes. on the subject. So, topic of today. Uh-huh. Well... Depending on who, in which part of the world you are, you could say Gaia or Gaia. Yeah. Right? So, about Mother Earth. Hmm. So, who would like to start? Um, I Okay, I will say something. And then okay. I think we should hand... Maybe the, Anna can continue Anna, that part. Anna yeah. can then continue. So... Um, if we just say at the beginning that uh, Gaia is a concept or a theory, some would say a philosophy, um, that was developed by a British um, scientist called James Lovelock. And he basically postulated or uh, developed this idea that the Earth... And it's biosphere, and biosphere means all the living forms mm -hmm. on the Earth. On the Earth. On the Earth, that uh, this entire system is like a living organism, and that basically it has an urge to survive, uh -huh. and that it finds, always tries to find balance. And in, uh -huh. in, in this concept, the word homeostasis is used, which means to find balance. Mm -hmm. And he got this, um, he came up with this name Gaia, and he took this from Greek, um, from Greek history. She was a goddess, and uh, I think it would be a good point to hand over to Anna, yes. who can give us a perspective. A perspective of uh, how it was. Yeah, from way back. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, uh, Gaia, we know her as Gaia, but in fact, she is the, uh, this is the name for the, uh, the mother goddess, let's say. Uh, uh -huh. So she was, I think that the cult of the goddess mother was the, one of the earliest cults in the history of the humankind. And it dates back, uh, up to Neolithic times. Uh, these were the times where, uh, people were making this uh, little figures of uh, a very fat woman oh, with uh, yes yes, seen those, isn't it? yes venus from willendorf uh, and so on uh, so the, at that time people uh, you see why why gaia why this is woman in most of the of the cultures because uh, people were seeing the ancient people were seeing it 
uh, the earth in a graphic way. Mm. So they, they were thinking like when they saw, saw mountains, they were thinking that these are the breasts of the goddess mother. When they were, were entering the cave, caves, uh, they were thinking that this is her womb. So this is how they were exactly perceiving the goddess mother, like the, uh, the feminine, uh, um, rock on which they were staying and this is important to notice that uh, in fact there was in the Hellenic culture there was a kind of division between uh, the Gaia who was as I said the rock the the, um, the base on which people the literal physical uh, um, in my, in, uh, incarnation of, uh, of the feminine and so that that was Gaia, but there was also the goddess of vegetation, uh, Demeter, who was mm-hmm. uh, making making uh, the plants grow, uh, and she was the uh, the um, power of the uh, regeneration. Uh, so this is how this uh, old myth of uh, Demeter and Kor. This is where it originates. In fact, she had some kind of power over Gaia because when Kor, uh, her daughter, disappeared, she was in fact abducted by Hades, uh, the goddess of the underworld. And uh, Demeter started to search for her daughter. And she was, uh, when she found out what happened, she was so enraged that she cursed Earth not to give crops anymore, not to bear fruit and so on. And yes, and this is in fact that she, she had the power over the over the earth, and uh, of course, then it was the thing was resolved. The the, the whole uh, uh, problem was resolved in the way that uh, Kor returned to her mother, and uh, this is how the seasons came to into uh, oh, existence. Yeah. Interesting, yes. yeah. I always yes. wondered where they came from, <laughs> especially now, <laughs> nowadays, right? Now that they're all disappearing again. Yeah. Okay. But, but you see, the thing is that uh, it's one of the most uh, ancient cults. Uh, and in fact, at the very beginning, uh, Gaia did not even have her name as a, I mean, as a goddess mother. Uh, so she was just called the goddess mother. And then in different cultures, she uh, uh, obtained uh, the specific names. For example, uh, well, in Hellenic cultures, uh, culture in, uh, in, what is called Greece today, she was called Gaia, but also in the, in Krita, uh, on the Isle of Krita, she was called Rhea. And in the uh, area of modern day Turkey, she was called Cybel. So, uh, yes. so yes, that's, that's, she, she got a couple of names, but the whole concept was the same, that she was the, uh, mother goddess of earth who was, uh, giving uh, the ancients, uh, the crops. She was, uh, the beneficial goddess mother. And, uh, it was, you know, to venerate her was like to venerate life. Ah. Exactly. And those, those figures that you talked about, the, um, Gaia clay figures where there's like a big, big form. Uh-huh. I, I always thought that was a kind of a fertility representation. Yes. Well, as yes, well, it's the same, right? Because where do, you, where do you get life if you're not uh, fertile? Of course. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that was the concept behind mm-hmm. Gaia in the ancient times. Very interesting. Very and interesting. Now about uh, Lovelock. Mm. What else can we talk about? About... Uh, well, his concept in the biosphere. Yeah, this uh, this concept of the Earth as being um, an organism and obviously a, a fundamental drive of all organisms from 
if we consider ourselves the apex predator on this planet. <laughs> uh, um, Which is not far from truth. Some some people have some doubts about that, but uh, <laughs> <clears throat> and who can blame them? Um, but from the from us as the kind of top uh, yeah. life form on the planet down to the smallest bacteria or a microbe. There is a, a common thread running through all those things, which is the urge to survive. And that if you take a very simple cell, uh, it has a state of homeostasis, which is it tries to regulate mm-hmm. its environment within itself to provide the best balance for its own survival. And what James Lovelock uh, proposed was that the Earth was doing the same thing. So if you can imagine the Earth as a giant cell, shall we say, Mm -hmm. and that everything in the biosphere are parts of that cell. Are parts of the cell. And and Earth, Gaia, will um, adjust its internal environment to try and maintain its survivability mm-hmm. and that and that essentially what he he went on to say was that we interfere with that process at our peril do you think that uh let's say thinking of this concept mm. of uh earth being a living being an and organism what an organism yeah. do you think er, uh, humans could be considered a kind of uh An infection. This infection. <laughs> and that's why we are having this kind of natural disasters or well, climate changes and so on. You to could, try to accommodate and to... Well, this is exactly uh, Lovelock's point. That's that, the point, right? That, that by interfering in the natural mechanisms that promote balance within the biosphere, that uh, because we're interfering with CO2 generation polluting the seas, acidification of the seas, deforestation, that he kind of made this analogy and he said that the trees in the forest, like the Amazon, uh-huh. they are like the lungs of the organism and that the uh-huh. atmosphere is the equivalent of respiration. Well, that's uh, the result of the photosynthesis. Exactly. And that the rivers and seas are like circulation, like the veins in our bodies. So humans are like a cigarette for... Yeah. We are, <laughs> we are finishing the lungs. And we, we, are, <laughs> we are an infection. And the Earth, through climate change, is attempting to rebalance, uh-huh. trying to keep the balance to allow it the maximum chance of long-term survival. Now, this uh, theory and concept mm. has been applied a lot in movies. A lot. Lots of movies. In ways that you aren't always obvious. Yes, exactly. Mm. I think one of the most recent that make this uh, topic very similar to what we are talking about is uh, Avatar, the movie. Yeah. Where uh, through trees and through the vines... Uh, they were like uh, well, connecting, like, sharing memories with the exactly. with the world. It was storing memories for the uh-huh, future Navi generation, people, the Navi people, the blue, the blue chaps on there. And in fact, the whole biosphere was connected, wasn't it? Everything connected through this network. And um, uh-huh. and in researching for this program, and that may come as a surprise to some of you listeners, we do actually. 
do some research. <laughs> um, in doing some of the research for the program, I came across a very interesting um, article about the evolution of soil. Uh-huh. And, and in fact, Rafa and I have, have had a separate conversation. A separate conversation where, of the... Where he looked at me like I was lost the plot <laughs> when, I, when I was telling him about the evolution of soil and the fact that it, um, originally soils were very um, clay-like uh-huh. and that the origin of soil was met, thought to be a type of meteorite called a... Um, oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. Anyway, it's a type of meteorite that is essentially clay. That's uh-huh. all it is. And that the soil that we have today, of which there are apparently five different types... And there are subtypes, but anyway, um, the evolution of soil is quite fascinating. (laughs) Not everybody would think that, but um, one of the interesting things about the evolution of soil and plant life on this planet we call home is that virtually every form of plant life that has roots, and let's face it, just about all of them do, if not all of them, in their root system, there is actually a symbiotic relationship with a fungi. And this fungi, uh-huh. which is called mycorrhiza, I think is the correct okay. or mycorrhiza. Is the, is the one that serves as a connection. Yeah, it, it, it has a symbiotic. Uh, we're talking half a billion years ago, it began to form a symbiotic relationship that enabled plants to colonize the land. Uh, better by forming roots and this symbiotic relationship is such that the the fungi that is in all as i understand it plant roots or most of them it has a deal with the plant and the deal is um i the fungi your friend i need food (laughs) If, if you mr plant give me carbohydrates sugars which the plant is making through photosynthesis yes. for itself, it gives some of that to the fungi in its roots, and in return, the fungi help to extract nitrogen and nutrients from the soil and give it to the plant. And in this way, they form this symbiotic relationship, and this is the kind of thing that Lovelock is talking about, these symbiotic relationships that extend throughout the biosphere Uh and then the Pandora concept. The concept of Pandora. And that, in fact, um, some biologists are calling this relationship with the fungi the Earth's internet. Uh And, in fact, it's now beginning to be understood that plants can actually communicate with each other in a chemical way. They have like a chemical language. Yes. When somebody's getting uh, attacked, for example, by a pest or something. The other ones can actually trigger defense mechanisms because they've been signaled through this network. Yes, exactly. Which is actually quite a stunning... Fascinating. It is fascinating. This is soil, a very fascinating subject. (laughs) Yeah. That should be another topic probably. Anna, do you think soil is fascinating? <laughs> I, I can. I know you seem stunned at this conversation about soil, but 
Uh, well, I would not think uh, that soil can be fascinating, although uh, my brother is studying, he's studying, studying biology right. and he's, he's got uh, one of the, his uh, courses during the studies is about the soil and mm. he showed me uh, the, oh, well, the material that he is, go he has to uh, pass to get the grade. And, uh, well, it was, uh, I mean, I, I know that well science is uh, not for not for sissies <laughs> well it's it's complicated by default but what i saw was even more complicated mm. than i could uh, process yes. in my brain well it so, seems it seems so simple doesn't it that we walk yes. around on this well it's one of those things that we always take for granted exactly. is there and like, that's it like gravity yeah, yeah. exactly but all this concept as well appears yeah. for example of the symbiote in Star Wars. Of course. The, Star, the concept of being a symbiote in Star Wars with the planets uh, uh, appeared first in Endor. And Stargate, obviously. And Stargate. And has appeared also in the Phantom Menace. Right. When they're in Naboo. Right. Uh, I'd just like to add that Raffer is going through a bit of a Star Wars renaissance period at the moment. Oh, yeah. I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> He's very excited and... You My, don't know this, but he's actually wearing a Chewbacca. Outfit. Oh, yes. my my beard is part of what uh, Chewbacca yeah. costume. Yeah, yes, so he's trying to grow. <laughs> he's trying to grow his own, which um, <laughs> may be inadvisable. I don't know. Well, I just had a marathon of Star Wars with my daughter. I realized. Yeah. that. I don't know why he didn't invite me, but um. I'm, well, you can come again. She will be gladly to watch I'm, again all of them. I'm mortally wounded, but <laughs> anyway. And we are all we are all very excited about the upcoming Star Wars. I can't tell you how excited I am. <laughs> now another very interesting example of, of movie. Yes, that uh, from we have a uh, uh, three more movies here mentioned, but Wally, Wally, great movie. Ah, oh, I love Wally. I love that little guy. Yeah, you know that's yeah. a very well, interesting one. Ideally, if I could have any fictional animation character, obviously I would choose a minion. Obviously, uh -huh. <laughs> I would actually like two, but they're not available. Uh -huh. But Wally is a is a very good substitute. Yeah, and okay, and why Wally is a very good uh, example of this Gaia concept? Well, kind of the the thing behind the um, Wally movie was that the Earth was. Met, thought to be depleted of resources and mainly because mega corporations had destroyed the entire planet. Essentially, the mega corporations had replaced government. We disappeared plants. Yeah, everything went because obviously, well, apparently that's what happened. And they basically put the remains of civilization on some giant spaceships and poor old Wally got left behind, I think, as uh, he was meant to tidy things up. Yeah. And he had his little friend, I think it was a cockroach or something. Yeah. His little buddy. Those that will survive. Uh, They'll survive anything. Uh, anything, yeah. Um, yeah, so he was like left to tidy up the mess that had been left after the, uh -huh. after we, the pestilence, had left the planet. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, we, at the end of the movie, we came back. Which was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it <laughs> started to regenerate and heal itself. Just, just in case there was something left that we hadn't touched. 
Yes, and you call it fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so Wally was uh, actually it was a very nice environmental. Well, I say very nice. It was um, it was a well well intentioned environmental movie prop- to propaganda, propaganda for, yes, or to show what can happen with the world. But the interesting part is that the earth itself regen- mm. started to regenerate until plants started to re-emerge yes. on earth. Mm. Yes. And it was not, uh, I mean, it was not induced. Mm. It was they a were natural sending recovery. probes mm. and it was a natural recovery. Yes, right, yes. Which uh, includes uh, into this uh, concept of... Goes back to the Gaia, yes, principle, Gaia principle. And, and the idea is that if you leave, if you don't interfere with the process homeostasis this balance will be restored restored over time and we have seen many uh, post apocalyptic uh, uh, movies where for example cities abandoned mm. get eaten by jungle and re- regen- regenerating well, vegetation all around it and i agree where uh, this, sorry Anna, go on. yes i think it's a common theme for every post post-apocalyptic uh, movie yeah. uh, from Hollywood that uh, any type of disaster that happened that mm. just wiped up half of humanity, mm. it was just called by humanity. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, the only, we're the only culprit in town, really, aren't we? We can hardly blame the dolphins, can we? Although, although, we, like, pro- although we probably would if we could. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, there is also this thing of the extinction bottleneck. Yes, and just before we do that, I'd just like to um, this thing about obviously movies uh-huh. like Wally and and Waterworld, Waterworld, and the Mad Max franchises, and several others. Oh, and in fact, that one with Will Smith, the one with where there was a disease, um, um, the last guy alive, Legend, Legend. I am Legend. I am Legend. Ah, very good movie. Anyway. Um, the thing is, of course, is that we have many examples of um, civilizations who have come and gone, and I'm thinking about Central America and the Aztecs and the Incas uh-huh. and the, your Mayans. Your Mayans in Mexico is that? Yes. Is that Mexico? yes. And obviously, there are. Obviously, it's known that there are cities that are completely buried in jungle. Jungle in and, yes, and of course, nature left to its own without us actively holding it back will take over. Uh And And by the way, by the way, when we are talking about the Mayans and the Mayan culture, there's now some supposition where the the scientists, uh, the archaeologists suppose that uh, the, well, because the Mayan culture was flourishing for a long time, but then it suddenly disappeared. And right. the scientists were wondering what happened. Was mm. was it like a disaster? Was it, I don't know, like uh, perhaps diseases or something like this? But right now, pe- most, most of the scientists uh, are coming to the conclusion that, in fact, this sophistication of the Mayan culture uh, was the reason for its end. Because uh, the Mayans started to build the cities and they, uh, by uh, removing the trees, they called the deforestation and, in fact, dehydration All of right. the area where they lived. So it was, I would say that this was the first, one of the first ecological disasters right. when it comes to civilization. Yes. 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 And right. it uh, fought back and mm. now you can find maybe pyramids under mountains, yeah. but it's now yeah. a mountain, a hill. Well, possibly. Well, 
It is interesting about the human... Well, we're no different to animals in, in a number of ways in that um, animals, herding animals like us, we tend to herd. And what tends to happen is we go into a, an area, we then deplete the resources, and in nature, they then, they then move on, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, of course, we started out as a nomadic species doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. But then the beginning of farming began mm-hmm. and we started to have settlements and so on and so forth. So then this is when we started to have this, well, this depleting the environment, mm-hmm. depleting resources, and then we have to start interfering to try and interfere with that process. Um, uh uh-huh. But yes, we were just talking about the bottleneck yes, uh, thing. Uh, and Because um, it's also kind of related. It's kind of related in that, in fact, there is talk now that we are actually entering a phase of a new bottleneck because we all know about species depletion mm-hmm. and that species are, um, many, many species have either already gone. Extinct, Or yes. uh, many of them are under threat. Obviously, we're going to try and save all the cuddly ones because that's important. But the ones that are not so cuddly, they're going to go extinct. So um, we are entering apparently a a run-up, which may take thousands of years, uh, where there's going to be another bottleneck. But there is a known bottleneck, a population bottleneck, that occurred about 70,000 years ago. And it was because of a um, an explosion of a supervolcano uh, in Sumatra, which is in Indonesia. And it is thought, so this is just 70,000 years ago, so modern man has been around about a quarter of a million years, something like mm-hmm. that. Something like that. And about 70,000 years ago, this supervolcano went off. And um, apparently it... Um, it moved into the atmosphere um, 650 cubic miles of rock. That's a lot. That, that, <laughs> yeah, that is, as you say, that's a, that's a lot of rock, right? And that was pushed up into the atmosphere, and it is thought that the number of mating pairs of humans um, dropped to somewhere below a thousand on the entire planet. So I don't know what the population of the planet was at that time, but it was probably a million or so. Mm-hmm. And it actually went down to under a thousand, and it thought it may have dropped to as low as 40. So that was just 70,000 years ago. And obviously, with this Gaia principle, all these options are open, right? That, that mm-hmm. wasn't a meteorite that caused that. That was a supervolcano. Yeah. Now there is from within. There exactly. Now there is another supervolcano that is a kind of hovering in the background, Threat, yeah. which is Yellowstone Park. Yellowstone. That's mm-hmm. a huge one. It's something like yes. ninety miles across or something. Um, it is slowly tilting the surface. It starts to have activity. In fact, uh, yeah. access to it has been restricted. Some of the areas you can't yes. go in now. And of course, that was in the movie. Volcano, I think it was called. Mm, um, volc- 
casino that replicated a smaller one in Los Angeles or something like that? Uh, no, no, it's that other one. Never mind. Anyway. It, it, was, the, it was the Yellowstone. <laughs> it was the... Um, there was, oh, oh there that was one. Movie. The recent there was, one. There was a movie, Volcano, with Tommy Lee Jones in the beginning of the 90s, no, I think. There was a recent one um, with uh, where Los Angeles fell into the sea. It's oh, uh-huh. recent. It's a couple, okay. three, three or four years ago. Anyway, that was Yellowstone uh-huh. going off. Anyway, this whole thing about Gaia and about the um, Gaia trying to make adjustments. Well, obviously, one way to press the global reset button is um, for something like Yellowstone to Yellowstone to go off. That's game over, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like video gaming, just bam. Unfortunately, the only people will be saved will be the really important people like Donald Trump, for example. And cockroaches. Yeah. Which is the same, but still. Donald Trump, cockroaches, <laughs> politicians, um, they will no doubt be saved. Um, and I don't envy them that world that they will create. That's yeah. Uh, anyway, we must carry on. Yes. Well, of course, this also takes us to climate change. Hmm. Uh, there's some denial out of it. Some people said that it's caused by humans. Some people said it's called by Earth itself to clean it uh, itself, to regenerate, yeah. to, you know, come to the break point where she can start over. Uh, hmm. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories about the chemtrails and hmm. the HARP uh, project. Yes, that is... Uh... That suddenly you could see on the sky appearing this chemtrail like cloud, you know. Well, they're just vapor trails from yes. from airliners, but not all of them. The, well, apparently that's a part of the apparently theory. not. Yeah. yeah. So there's this bunch of people who um, I'm sure they're perfectly sensible individuals, and they have this idea about this thing conspiracy that they call chemtrails, which is that. Effectively, what they believe is that um, governments are trying to well, it's control. Only, it's not only governments, but apparently, to to actually carry out this conspiracy, it requires the cooperation of all the world's airlines, <laughs> uh, airline pilots, scientists, the media, governments. Uh-huh. Um, but wait, haven't you seen a chemtrail? I've seen jet streams from airliners. But are you sure I, there was a jet passing by, an airline passing by, a flight? Well, my problem is, and, that, and it's a personal failing of mine, uh-huh. I tend not to walk around outside permanently looking at the sky. So sometimes I miss airliners going by. Uh-huh. I, I prefer to look at where I'm going, not <laughs> upwards. So, So... It's a bit like this thing of, um, you know, you never saw the airliner go by. It's a bit like when I realize I need to cut my nails, right? I look at my nails one day and they're perfectly fine. And then for some reason, when I look at them again, they're like talons and they need cutting. And I think, <laughs> how, how did that happen? I, I never noticed. And it's because I don't spend my entire day looking at my hands. How they grow. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I, think it's this, <laughs> I think it's the same thing with this chemtrails in the sky. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, I think the thing about this chemtrail 
conspiracy, which is that it's meant to be an attempt to poison the population or... Well, there are many theories about it. That one is that one. I think... Use it as a weapon. I think theories is pushing Another it. one is uh, to use it uh, to control weather. Control the weather, of course. Because anyway, the weather is not crazy enough. So yeah, that's right. Needs, yeah. Why yeah. not have now in winter some 30 degrees sun? Yeah, know? why not? Yeah. Or the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Have some snow in summer. Let's do a weather mashup. Yeah. And let's see who wins. Yes, let's... <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. So, I, I, I find it very difficult to believe this, this um, weather chemtrail conspiracy stuff. But the, and what about uh, climate change? Well, do you I, think it's happening or not? Well, because there's a lot of uh, controversy about it. Well, I think it's pretty obvious the climate is changing. That is a given. Yeah, I do believe. I it's... think it is the cause is the is the, where the problem lies that people have. Um, and I, I, if I'm going to digress now, I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, I find it quite interesting that if if you look at other areas of uh, activity, human activity. Um, for example, I, I have an interest in um, economics, and uh, in, in economics, um, there is a great deal of um, time and thought uh, has been spent on examining what is it that governs the waxing and waning of economies and so on and so forth, and that what is actually being identified is that there are cycles mm-hmm. of um, within economies and so on and so forth and that and i think this is kind of maybe an interesting way of looking at it and that is that these cycles are natural and that if you leave them to it they will actually just follow a kind of what we call boom and bust if you know mm-hmm, what I mean. mm-hmm. things are going good and then things go bad and then it and then it cycles up and down again and that basically human activity uh-huh. interferes with those cycles and potentially makes them more extreme. So by... They have to be more aggressive to be able to have the same effect, right? Yeah, so by governments interfering in the natural workings of the free market, they make the extremes greater. And I, I, this is my own personal thought, but I like to think that it's possible that climate change is possibly part of a natural cycle, but we're making it worse. And finally, and finally, we want to recommend you books that you can read. Yes, we do. And the first one is the one that uh, Carl mentioned at the beginning. Yes, right at the beginning, we found the book that is uh, meant to be the first book uh, that kind of described an ecological disaster and what, what happens afterwards. And it's a book printed in 1885 by an English author called Richard Jeffries, and it's called After London. And it is an unspecified cataclysm that happens, uh-huh. but it describes in obviously kind of Victorian language, quite flowery, but apparently it's a very nice book, what society was like. And uh, do you have any book that would you like to recommend about the history of Gaia? You know, the... I think the one to look for is just to go on the internet, type in James Lovelock, and uh-huh. 
the word Gaia, G-A-I-A, uh-huh. and you will very quickly come across his original book, yes. The Gaia Theory. And Anna, anything about the historical part of, of when this? It comes, when it comes to myths, mythology, I would uh, suggest uh, reading uh, Robert Graves' uh, The Greek Myths, ah, I think. Okay. But, you know, I, I'm still thinking about these countries right now. I, I'm thinking because, you see, the thing is that uh, in the uh, Middle European countries, uh, in the time of communism, mm-hmm. there was a kind of urban legend. I, I mean, I don't know if it's urban, urban legend or there's no way I can verify it. But there was this uh, news, that, that this opinion that uh, when uh, there was the time of celebrating some major events, like, for example, the 1st of May, you know, the Labor's Day, mm-hmm. uh, the parades, you uh-huh. know, all, all, all these uh, celebrations and there was the weather was not good uh, the 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 authorities were sending like for example you know just uh, when the the uh, uh, um, where, where uh, in the, the weather was supposed to be good at that time right so, so they were the, modifying the they weather. They wanted the weather. Yes, <laughs> yes, they were in fact sending the uh, air flights. Uh, flights to like these guys that the ones that go through crops well no no i think maybe what anna's talking about is that sometimes they do this exactly. uh, sodium crystal seeding yes uh-huh. to, yes, to get yes. clouds to form rain to clear the weather uh-huh. yes exactly so mm. i don't know if that was true or not but right mm. now when you are talking about this countries and uh, you know conspiracies and i'm thinking about this one because mm. this is the one i know right. so and, uh, right, that's very interesting. Right. interesting. Yeah, the uh, communist governments doing this to yeah. get always I, a sunny day in the celebration yeah. day. To be, uh, to be yes. honest, to be honest, I can't imagine any of those communist regimes doing anything like that. Oh, but <laughs> <laughs> they were far too um, morally based for that kind of thing. Oh, you would not <laughs> yes, guess no, what not, they have doing. I think you realize I'm being. <laughs> She's been sarcastic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, well, I, let's let's be honest. We wouldn't put it past any of our governments to try anything. So. <laughs> well, you you should uh, talk about this with the uh, those people who believe in conspiracy theories, and yeah, you we, need, be... we, we need to find some of those. Yeah, don't we? Yeah. What about what about <laughs> these other couple of books that? We well, we need? have the Drowned World from 1962 from J. G. Ballard. Yeah, where. Ice caps melt, and you know yeah. you get another disaster there. And he he is a very well regarded uh, yeah. author. And the final one was more recent, the The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which was made into a movie, of course, uh-huh. which is extremely depressing. <laughs> as is the book. Um, that oh, yes. that is a post unknown apocalyptic event. You don't know whether there's been a nuclear war or it's environmental but it's about a father and son trying to survive yes. in this have you seen uh-huh. the movie anna or the read the book or? uh no i haven't seen the movie but i'm about to read the book because uh, one of my favorite songs was uh, created because of the uh, uh. of this this uh, this um, movie it's called uh, it's the song by editors Oh, the, I like the editors. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> me too. It's called. Uh, 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 sorry, I forgot the title okay. right now. <laughs> well, I, I, my only recommendation to you is that if you're going to read the book, have at least three boxes of tissues with you because <laughs> you are going to be doing a lot of weeping. 
yes. It is and not a happy If we talk about music related to this, we have Within Temptation with Mother Earth. Oh, yes. Even the lyrics, you know, are... A very this. nice, very, uh-huh. very mythological, uh-huh. actually, aren't they? So... Hmm. Well, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I I remember the title now. The title yeah. is No Sound no sun But The Wind. No That's the, top, the song. The wind. Oh, uh-huh. and I would just That's, like to... Sorry, Anna, go on. Yes, it's just... I, I want to say that this is the song by the editors that was uh, inspired by The Road by Com- Cormac McCarthy. Right. And I just thought of one additional book, which is actually a classic, uh-huh. uh, which was, I think, written in the late... mid to late 60s and by an American early environmentalist, and it was called The Silent Spring. Okay. And this is a very famous book. And in fact, is credited with actually kind of booting the environmental movement. Mm-hmm. That's the silent spring. That, so, is, that is a spring without birds, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Those are the book recommendations. And I think we reach the end of this uh, episode, this first part of the topic of Gaia. Thank you, Anna, from far away. It was really nice to have you uh, in Down the Rabbit Hole. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to you, gentlemen. It was great. Thank I you. really, I really hope I will come back soon. You totally, bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was our to two signaling us that say goodbye, Carl. Yes, goodbye, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed that rambling podcast. Yes, my name is Rafael Ruiz, and like always, we will see you in the next episode, having a trip down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2016.